Good morning. I haven't heard that story before. That was pretty cool. I remember that, but... Well, my topic today is making a difference at work or in the workplace. And so um, I'm going to get to that here in just a second. Um, We've been in a series called Making a Difference. And some of the topics that uh, we've done, making a difference through church planting and uh, missions and showing up, prayer, investing in kids. So it's a really cool series. I'm glad to be part of it. Um, So I'm going to talk about making a difference at work or in the workplace. Before I do, I was doing a little research and um, just checking out this topic on the internet, and I found an article, Seven Ways to Make a Difference on the Job. And so I read through there, and there were were pretty good tips. You know, there were good uh, tips. One thing I found kind of interesting, the gentleman that wrote the article no longer is in the workplace. He's now a consultant and a writer. And uh, that's apropos. But um, number seven, he said finding the meaning um, can really you know, make a difference in your job, finding the meaning. And uh, some, you know, some of his explanation was convoluted, but the point was is that we want meaning. And we want to feel like we are com- uh, contributing to a larger purpose. Stan struck a chord with me last week as he talked about making a difference through missions. And he pointed out the word mission is in the word missions. And we all want our lives to mean something. We all have a purpose or a mission. And, um, you know, we want to change things for the better. We want to have a positive impact. We don't want to go through life eh, having no positive effect on those around us. So... Since we at least spend a third of our time at work, wouldn't it make, you know, I want to talk about making a difference at work here. And I think God wants us to make a difference at work since we're there so much. So how does that look? First thing I did, I I like to look up definitions every once in a while. So I looked up the word difference. You'd think it'd be pretty simple. Um, But there's some interesting things that you can find. Here's, uh, here's some of the definitions. A point or way in which people or things are not the same. A significant change in or effect on a situation. A distinguishing characteristic, distinctive quality or feature. Some synonyms. Uh, dissimilarity, contrast, distinction, differentiation, variance, variation, divergence. What might making a difference look like for us as followers of Christ in the workplace? Well, as I was preparing and praying about um, the sermon and the definition of difference, my mind was directed to the Lord's Prayer, where he says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And when God's kingdom comes into any situation, it makes a difference, doesn't it? God's kingdom. So when I talk about making a difference, you can just think about God's kingdom coming into the situation. Well, knowing most of you, my guess is that you are making a difference in the workplace. But what if today you were given new insight, new mission, maybe an area of sin that you need to repent of, some practical wisdom to help advance God's kingdom and make a difference? 
What if we all agreed to change to let this happen? What if we all advanced the kingdom just a little bit the next few weeks before Christmas in the workplace? What if we make just a little difference? Because you think about it, how much of a difference is a difference? I mean, this is a little bit of a difference. What if I just advance it a little bit? What if I just do my part and make some baby steps and go forward and change? That's a difference. What kind of difference could we make collectively? Would we get some attention of those around us in the workplace? Will we get some attention in heaven? I think we would. Let's start with this. The workplace isn't easy. I don't have to tell you that. It's the real world. I think it's one of the challenging areas to live as followers. It's so much easier on Sunday to love God, right? It's easy to obey on Sunday and to love people here. But buddy, it can be hard throughout the week. The workplace is where the rubber meets the road for Christians. There's stress, dysfunction, confusion, uncertainty, strife, and those are on good days. It's a laboratory, I just thought of this, it's a laboratory where we attempt to test the Christian experience. Well, I would like us, I would like you and me to be expectant today that God is going to highlight something I say or remind you of something else that he might want to change. We can all decide to change one thing in the workplace. What a difference I believe it's going to make for the kingdom. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great unsearchable things that you do not know. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. I want to pray that right now. Lord, we just ask you to, we invite you into this place. Lord, speak through me. Highlight uh, words from scripture, Lord. You say that your word does not come back void. Father, I pray that right now. I pray that you help each of us in the workplace, help each of us to make a difference. Father, if if people here are unemployed, I pray for employment. I pray for uh, the, the career that you have for them. I pray for a change in the work environment if it's very negative. I pray that you give each person in here a new mission, a new calling, a way to make change, a way to um, bring your kingdom come in the workplace. We ask this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm first going to highlight some practical areas where God may want to make a difference in the workplace as followers of Christ. First, let me say, I've done a decent job in some of these areas, maybe good, maybe, in a couple at times, and a poor job in in, in the other ones. And it goes up and down, it varies day to day. I'm going to highlight some of the things that I think can really be of use to you in accomplishing God's will, things that have been highlighted through me as I prepared for this. Some practical wisdom from the Bible. I love how practical the wisdom is of the Bible and how much it applies to everything that we do. And I believe the Holy Spirit wanted me to share these certain things with you. So I hope it makes a difference. Here are three don'ts that I'm going to highlight. Three don'ts. The first one is don't be easily offended. Don't be easily offended. Proverbs 12, 16 says... 
Fools show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. Proverbs twelve sixteen. You see, as pressure to produce increases, annoyance, insult, and offense also increase, doesn't it? It isn't going to lessen in the coming months and years. Most of the time that I've found, when people are taking out their frustration on us, they're really not taking their frustration out on us. They're just taking their frustration out. We just happen to be the people that receive it. You see, I think it's our job to be a buffer. You've got the world of the world, and you've got the, the spirit, and we're the in-between. And a lot of times, we just have to be that buffer. One of our principals in Southwest Licking, when I ask him for advice, he's like, Jeff, sometimes you just got to take it. You just got to take it. And he's right. Sometimes we're going to get insult, we're going to get offense, come our way, and we have to, to be able to manage that. We can't be easily offended. Um, Jesus talks about turning the other cheek, and I always thought, how is that applicable to me? I've never really found, well, I didn't for a long time, you know, an application, and, and I found it. <laughs> I found it in this area. Sometimes you just have to take it. Sometimes you have to turn the other cheek. Now, you don't want to be a, 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 you know, a mat to, and have everybody just walk on you. But you know what? Sometimes you just have to take something and not be easily offended. I find that this is a way to advance God's kingdom, to make a difference in the workplace. I took a, um, um, I took a training this summer for a week and it's um, crisis prevention. And I had to, you know, learn how to deal with people that are in crisis situations and um, just all kinds of stuff. And they used a term called rational detachment. And I thought that was uh, pretty interesting. And, and basically, when somebody's acting up or in crisis, it's not really about us. It's about them. And they may be using verbal aggression and physical aggression, but really it's not about us. And if I can take myself out of the equation, my pride, and figure and realize this isn't about me, then I can use a rational mind and God's spirit to help them solve problems. I think that's true in parenting. Um, if you can take your emotions out of parenting at times and, and dealing with certain things, boy, we can have a big effect on the kingdom this is a special skill set that is very needed in the workplace. Very needed. The second one is don't argue or complain. Pretty simple, pretty common knowledge. Ben talked about this, uh, talked about complaining. I don't know if it was here or Eastside Vineyard, but he explained, you know, the effects of complaining. And I'm not going to get uh, super uh, detailed into this. Philippians 2.14 says, do everything without complaining and arguing. New Living Translation. Here, here's what I want to point out. I think is important that I think can make a difference at work. Don't get into email arguments. And, and I'm being serious. I've, uh, we had a situation, I've, I've, I come across a few situations. We had a situation with a parent and a teacher where it just got beyond, you know, almost couldn't be remedied. And then my principal got involved, she did a good job, and then it got 
real negative with her. And they were going back and forth. They talked in person at first, but then they got, went back and forth in email, tit for tat. And I'm like, she, she asked me to, to become involved. And so, so I did. I found out that that's my job. I, I put out fires. I'm a buffer. You know, God's used that to get rid of some of these edges, sand off some of these edges from me. But, um, you know, I realized uh, the parent and I had a good conversation. I, I set the ground rules. I explained, you know, how, you know, we had a good conversation. I listened to her. Um, you know, told her I would get back with her. Got back with her through email just quickly. I wanted to make sure I'm doing a good job of getting back with people. And, uh, and she started bringing up some old points that she'd brought up with the teacher and, and the thing. I'm like, nope, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to answer her through email. Picked up the phone. We had another conversation. Um, I made sure that I set the parameters again. You know, uh, things went pretty well, and they've, they've improved. But I realized, you know, I, I, I continue to realize that there are certain things. Email is great for communication. I don't think it's a good thing to, to try to clarify. And it's too easy to sit back and um, you're not in the, you, you know, you're not face-to-face with the person. It's easy to say things that you probably wouldn't say in person. It's easy just to shoot it off. And so I, I would caution you against that. I, I think doing certain things when we get into a disagreement, and we're going to, it's better to get with that person face-to-face. The complaining part, complaining, obviously complaining is not healthy. It, it happens, and, and Ben pointed out, sometimes we call that venting when we don't want it to go against what the Bible says. But, <laughs> but the, the, type, the type of complaining that I want to talk about and what I've noticed is on Facebook and Twitter. And, um, you, know, you know, your Facebook affects your situation at work. Things like that. People search them out all the time. We hire people. We look at Facebook. Um, a parent or a teacher the other day said, I'm stalking a parent on Facebook. So she read up all about this parent and their um, ex-husband because she was going to meet with them and wanted to know kind of what they were all about. But people check up on you on Facebook. And, um, you know, for pers- prospective uh, employers, they're going to check on that. What I've noticed is Christians posts, um, you know, that I'm shown sometimes are controversial uh, about controversial issues, and they're incorrect. And I'm not talking about just maybe joking around about the game or this or that, like Brian, quite often about the game. No. I'm talking about uh, serious situations, um, controversial topics. I think you have to be very careful about complaining about certain issues that are, that are heavy as a Christian. You have to think about that's, that's going out there and it's staying out there. And you have to think about what you're putting out there. Don't let a rant or event ruin your witness. That's what I would say. Don't let it ruin your witness. The third thing, don't listen too closely if you want to make a difference at work, you, want, you, mu- you must protect your attitude, in my opinion. Ecclesiastes 7.21 says, Do not pay attention to every word people say 
or you may hear your servant cursing you. That's in the NIV. The New Living Translation says, don't eavesdrop on others. The, uh, the ESV says, do not take to heart all things that, peop- uh, that people say. And the NASB says, do not take seriously all the words which are spoken. I think this is very important. I'm um, in an administrative position, and so I'm dealing with teachers and um, other administration and staff, um, other staff and kids. So it's kind of an interesting situation. And we've gone through some controversy, turmoil um, at Southwest Licking where we've gone to grade banding and a lot of teachers had to move buildings against their will. And, you know, we've gone through contract negotiations and there's all kinds of things going on, all kinds of changes. And you know what? Sometimes people, people do need to vent or complain or they will, whether it's good for them or not, they're going to. And, and they're going to be in disagreement with us. And, you know, when I walk past people and they're talking, I make it a point to not listen. I just keep walking. If I'm in the lunchroom or if I'm in the hallway, you know, they may be talking about me, but really it's none of my business. And really, I don't need to listen to it. And, and honestly, I don't need to take it to heart. They may not mean it. They may just be, you know, saying something. Um, you know, it might, might be something that just... They really didn't mean, they just needed to say it to somebody. And so I think you have to be very careful not to listen too closely to to certain things. Selective hearing, like our teenagers. Um, Jim Caviezel said something that I think uh, that struck me. He said, you know, it's none of my business what other people think of me. And that that, that is something that you need to carry around with you if that type of thing is bothering you. Now I'm going to talk about three do's. Be the best you can be. I know what you're thinking. That's just positive, whatever, worldly. Be the best you can be. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, do it with all your might as if serving the Lord and not men. It is hard to influence, to make a difference to be a witness when you are not respected. And if you're not working hard, you're not doing a good job, you are not respected. They, they, you may think they respect you to your face, but they don't. Billy Graham said, One of the Christian's responsibilities in following Christ is to have a new attitude toward work. So many young people, and older people, I'll add, want Christ without responsibility. Whatever work a Christian does, he should do his best. Proverbs twenty two twenty nine says, Do you see a man skilled in his work? They will serve before kings. So you'll have greater influence when you do well. You're going to have greater influence and greater possibilities to affect people for Christ, to bring kingdom come. Millions... He goes on to say, cultivate the habit of mediocrity in their daily duties. If you're not striving for total excellence, you either have the wrong job or the wrong attitude. You know, we get noticed when we do things well, when we go above and beyond. I try to make it a point. I'm not good at this, but I've learned from people. I try to go the extra mile. I try to get back with people quickly. When I say I'm going to do something, I try to follow through. You know, I try to go above and beyond. I try to slow down, ask them how their day is going. 
If I um, remember their kids' names or if they have kids, I'll ask them how they're doing. I try to go above and beyond and go the extra mile. I don't always succeed. Sometimes I just get busy and have to move on. But it's important that we're doing the best that we can ask, um, can possibly do. That's how we're going to have an effect. I believe that if you're slacking at work, your opportunity to be a witness will, have, uh, will be seriously impacted. The next one is be a servant. Ephesians 6, 7 says, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord and not men. Work is under the curse. It was created by uh, God and it was created good, but it's fundamentally flawed. Don't put your hope in it. You can't put your hope in work or retirement or whatever it is, career, advancement. You've got to get your mindset right. You're working for the Lord. Here's another way to look at it. This is just another part of the sanctification process. Just another part of it. We have light and momentary troubles, the Bible tells us. I found a a phrase I heard my principal say. We had a, a student that was having issues with this behavior, and she said to somebody else, he has no non-preferred tasks at home. And I'm like, what did you just say? She said, non-preferred tasks. I said, oh, is that like education lingo that I don't know of? It, obviously it is. But then I, I, start, I really started thinking about it, and this young man is struggling because he's not made to do something he doesn't want to do. And I have issues now because I probably wasn't made to do a lot of things that I needed to do against my own will when I was younger. And I think that's, that comes along with work. We have a lot of non-preferred tasks that we have to do. It's part of God maturing us, sanctifying us. That's part of the deal. Light and momentary troubles. I, I, I um, through God's help, kind of set a mission for myself in my, new, in my new job. And I said, my mission, my purpose is to serve the students and help them be their best, to serve the administration, to help them take things away off of their plate, to help them out. And my job is the same with the teachers. I'm to help them streamline. They're on the front line so they can teach. I'll deal with the parents. I'll deal with this, deal with that. I'm, I'm there to serve. However, when I get away from that, when I start to stray from that servant mentality, I'll get inconvenienced. I want to get something done. Somebody stops by my office. Hey, um, you know, so-and-so's going on. And I'm like, I just want to finish one thing that I start when I sit down, you know? I just want to check something off my list. And I can't do it right now. It's an inconvenience. But you know what? That's not, I'm here to serve. That's not my job. My job isn't to check things off the list and be productive, you know, with my to-do list. My job is to serve. When I keep that mindset, I think I make a difference at work. When I lose that mindset, I don't. I think our attitude needs to be, I get to be a servant and I get paid. That's a bonus. I get to be a servant and the bonus is I get a paycheck. I think that's the right attitude. The third thing, be humble. 
Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. But also to the interests of others. I'm going to apply this verse to resolving conflict. Conflict will come up for you and I in the next week. I think in conflict... It's important for me and probably for you to consider others better than ourselves, to not be conceited, but to be humble. When I get into a serious conflict, probably like many of you, it's, it, it rises to win-lose. I'm going to win, that person's going to lose. You know, when it's serious conflict, when the emotions go up, that's not the, that's not the biblical way, that's not the proper way to look at things. We can't have influence. We can't have a major, uh, we can't bring kingdom come when we're win-lose in serious conflict. Um, Stephen Covey talked about in his book, um, The Seven Habits, Seek First to Understand. Seek First to Understand. It has a lot of uh, different meanings. It doesn't come naturally to me and it probably doesn't come naturally to some of you guys. And I'm not good at it, but I have been practicing I've been practicing. If you're in a position of authority here at church, in your home, with your children, at work, whatever, you talk with a fellow worker, whatever, upset parent, there's a, there's a way to resolve conflict effectively. And I'm going to call it active listening. Um, there's probably other names for it, and I'm just going to simplify it. But I make it a point before a contentious meeting comes up, that I don't take myself to the win-lose. I try to do the win-win. And basically, even if I feel like I'm 100% correct, and I really want to set the person straight, I still have been practicing. There's been like four or five times. I make notes, you know, I, I get ready for the meeting, and I script it out. I'm prepared, you know, for different ways it could go. And what I do is, I learn this, is, it doesn't come naturally, I bring the person in, I might say, hey, listen, you know, we've had, you know, this went on, you know, I know there was a little bit of an issue, why don't you tell me your side of the story, what, you know, kind of where are you coming from with this, and then I sit back and listen. I don't really want to listen, I don't really care, (laughs) it's true, I don't really care necessarily, but you know what, it's the right thing to do, and I'm going to do it. Because I want to have influence, and I need to grow. <laughs> That's not the right Christian attitude. That's not what Jesus would do. So I listen, and I've gotten better at it. And you know what? When I listen, I feel, even though I think I'm 100% right, I, I realize those percentages go down. <laughs> oh, that person has a great point. Oh, I didn't really realize that. I sit and listen. The second thing that I try to do is to prove that I'm listening, is I restate what they've said. So I may ask for clarification. So if I understand this correctly, you're upset because of this. Is that right? You know, so I I give them more time to talk. And then they'll finally get done talking, you know. And then it's your turn. And then you say, hey, I understand. I can see your point of view now. I understand how you could have done this or thought that. I see where you're coming from. But here's where I'd like us to go from this point forward. You explain your point of view. And the beauty of this is, 
of being humble, considering others above yourself is, it is a win-win. It has been every time I've done it. Every time I've done it. We may not totally see eye to eye, but they got their point across. They wanted to be heard. I got my point across. You know, um, it was a win-win. It's a positive thing. I think in the workplace, if you want to make a difference, you have to have a way to resolve conflict. And if you can find people that can resolve conflict when things are tough, those people are hard to come by. And we can make a big, big difference in the workplace. These were practical ways of making a difference in the workplace. These are intentional ways to improve that I felt like I needed to share with you from from the scripture. But I want to give you a foolproof way of making a difference. Good things will be happening. The kingdom will be advancing through you, and it's probably going to be without your knowing it. I'm going to quickly read about Joseph. You talk about somebody that made a difference in the workplace. He thrived in a foreign country with foreign gods being served, in hostility, in imprisonment. But God was able to use him to make a difference. He had a purpose, a mission. He fulfilled it. He thrived in the world. He was not of the world. Genesis 39 says, The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord had given him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of the household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From that point, from that time, he put him in charge of the household, everything he owned. The Lord blessed him. It goes on and on and on. And the moral of the story is John fifteen five. Where Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That, I think, is the key to the Christian life and making a difference. And it is, it is being with the Lord, meeting with the Lord, having your time set aside for prayer, for Bible reading, for uh, listening to worship music. We have a Uh, a wonderful Christian secretary at our building. And she's just steady as she goes. She doesn't get flustered. She's like my idol. You know, I don't know how she does it. I'm like this. I know I'm not supposed to have an idol, but it's just kind of a figure of speech. (laughs) And, um, but you know one thing? She's a wonderful Christian person. I know she she does her quiet time. I, I go behind her desk and I can barely hear she's listening to Christian music all day. And I thought, you know what? I lose the Lord throughout the day. My, my spiritual tank gets empty. I don't even think about God a, a lot of my days sometimes. But when she's listening to Christian music, it's con- constantly replenishing her spirit. And she, she's, just, she's just an awesome witness. And I need more of that. We need to be connected to the vine. We're the branches. We can't do anything apart from God We will bear much fruit. We will make a difference when we're connected to him and continuing to connect to him. Jesus not only helps us through the Holy Spirit now, but he also left us his example. I like this. One scholar put it this way. Our Lord was not a recluse. He did not cut himself off from society, but he was inwardly disconnected all the time. He was not aloof, 
but he lived in another world. He was so much in the ordinary world that the religious people of his day called him a glutton and a wine-bibber. Our Lord never allowed anything to interfere with his consecration of spiritual energy. Why don't we have our worship team come on up and our prayer team as I wrap this up. We're going to enter a time of prayer. And I'd like you to listen to the words of Oswald Chambers before we do. He has some good advice for us. He says, The greatest blessing spiritually is the knowledge that we are destitute. Until we get there, our Lord is powerless. He can do nothing for us if we think we are sufficient of ourselves. We have to enter into his kingdom through the door of destitution. As long as we are rich, possessed of anything in the way of pride or independence, God cannot do anything for us. It is only when we get hungry spiritually that we receive the Holy Spirit. He imparts to us the quickening life of Jesus, which puts us be puts the beyond within, and immediately the beyond has come within and rises up to the above. And we are lifted into the domain where Jesus lives. If the Holy Spirit has revealed anything to you, why don't we go ahead and stand. If the Holy Spirit has revealed anything to you today, whether I mentioned it or it was just brought, brought to your mind, uh, something at work, situation, an area you need to improve, Whatever it is, a need, I think you need to act on it now. I think we need to pray about it. Now's the time for prayer. Now's the time uh, to be hungry spiritually. God can help you make a a difference in expanding his kingdom. It can make a difference right now. So you can pray at your seat, you can come forward, or you can ask a brother or sister to help pray, pray with you.